Hi, this is Pastor Jim. Thanks for joining us for this week's message from Riverside Church. I believe you will be inspired and blessed by the Word of God. We'd love to welcome you to one of our services next time you're in the Brisbane area. If you'd like to know more about us, go online at www.riversidecc.org.au or like us on Facebook to hear about up-and-coming events. I hope you enjoy the message. God bless you. Good morning, everyone. How are you? Well, I thought I'd put on my fancy shirt this morning. Is that all right? Is that good? Wonderful. My fancy shirt. Fancy church shirt. Mm. Let's pray this morning, eh? Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you that we lift up your name above everything else. And I pray, Lord God, that as I speak your word, that it would be powerful under the anointing of the Holy Ghost. So, Lord, that you would be revealed and that we would embrace, Lord, the things and the truths that you have for us. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand up this morning. I know you're all settled, but stand up. Everyone stand up. Good. Okay. Now, turn around to someone and say, I see you. I see you. Now, come on, say it like you mean it. I see you. I see you. I see you. The only person you never want to say hear say that is the policeman as you're travelling down Oxley Road, Pastor Ken, saying, I see you, Pastor Ken. Okay, sit down. Good. Welcome if you're visiting with us this morning. I really feel like I've got a message on my heart that I want to bring to you that will help us be everything that Jesus wants us to be. Do you want to be everything that Jesus wants you to be? Do you want to live a life of fullness and power? I love that verse in John chapter 20, verse 31, where it says, These things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, and that by believing in Him that you would have life and power to live this life. Amen? You know, when Jesus spoke, He would often bring layered truth. And He did this to bring ongoing revelation to us. Have you, and I'm sure you have, read the Word of God and you read it and you go, wow, and you have revelation. And then maybe a month or a year later, you read the same passage of Scripture and you get a different revelation. Who has experienced that? Come on, be honest with me. Okay, who's never read their Bible? Let me pray for you right now in Jesus' name. But when we read God's Word, when we let the the living Word of God dwell in us, it brings a continual ongoing revelation. It has a purpose. And when Jesus spoke, He brought this revelation so that we could discover truth and not only discover it, but to live in it. You know that scripture that says, if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. And you, and you know, free indeed. The reality and the truth of that statement is, is you not only hear the truth, but you what? Also do the truth. That's what is encapsulated in that scripture. You don't just hear these things, you do these things. The book of James, probably the best book ever written because it was named after such a brilliant individual, Santiago. The book of James says, don't be just hearers of the word, but what? Be doers also. So we're a bunch of do-gooders. Amen? Amen. 
But when Jesus spoke, I want you to consider this for a moment, there was often different classes of people to whom he was speaking with. Class distinction in biblical times, in that early you know, part of the first century, and probably before that, were extreme, absolutely extreme. Different classes of society, and there was incredible and real power that came to the class to which you belong. A person could understand the advantage of being, say, a wealthy person compared to the person who was quite poor. And they would separate them to someone who knew the Scriptures or someone who didn't know the Scriptures. If you consider this, in that society, there were free people and there were slaves. And often to pay debts, parents would sell their children and even sell themselves to pay off a debt and later on it could be redeemed. And so we have this society where there's educated and uneducated, rich and poor, free and slave, believers and non-believers, and Jesus is speaking to a multitude of these different class societies. And Jesus didn't care where you came from. Jesus only cared about what you heard and what you did. And those whose hearts were open, he could bring truth to so that their lives could be changed. Because truth changes your life. I remember when I became a Christian, it was like from darkness to light. I could see things that I could never see before. I could see truth and live out that truth. Jesus did never, uh, sorry, never classified people according to wealth, whether they were free, whether they were poor, whether they were educated or uneducated. He wanted to speak to people whose hearts were open to receive God's word. And we have to be that same way. Jesus didn't categorize people. It was based upon speaking the truth and those adhering and taking the truth. I want to live out a life for God that has an impact every day by my behavior and by the things that I think and the things that I see. I want to grow and understand. I have found that sometimes with believers, coming to Christ is not, not simple, but it is easy to come to Christ. To have an understanding in a moment where you realize that your sin has separated you from God. And understanding there's a separation from God you hear the story of salvation and the gift that God gives to us through Christ Jesus. And in that gift, if we believe by faith of the grace of God and accept the work of Christ on the cross, we have forgiveness of sin. And we're free from the power of sin. And I'm sure that many of us have experienced that, that life and the joy and the freedom. And then as we go on, the next thing that takes place, you see, that is the beginning of the walk in Christ. To start, but then to continue in the faith. That's the challenge. And there is actually a gap between, say, salvation and being and having the image of Christ. There's a gap. And God wants us to bridge the gap. You see, salvation is a transformation that takes place within us 
where God sees us completely righteous, not because of what we have done, but what Christ has done, and we accept that. So he sees us as righteous, but we are called to live out that righteousness. We are sanctified, we're made holy by Christ, but we are to be holy, which is an ongoing transformational work as we relinquish our will and our desires and we move towards what God wants for us. Knowing who we are in Christ is so important. It is having an identification, living that out in a practical and real way. And we have to, as believers, overcome the identity gap of who we are and who God knows who we are. And there's a big difference. Because sometimes when I think of myself, who I am, and what God has called me to do, I see an enormous gap of what he calls me to do. Because I can't do that unless I know who I am in Christ. And Jesus brings teaching so that we can understand how we can overcome the identity gap. Paul knew who he was in Christ. He said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. And some people read this and think, oh, this guy's just a braggart. He's just, you know, he's just, he thinks he's it and a bit, you know. Thinks he's a hot dish, not a cold sausage roll. He says this, to follow me is to follow what? Who? Christ. To follow me is to follow Christ. Another version says, to imitate me is to imitate Christ. And so Paul is saying, when you see me do these things, you can be sure that this is what Christ would do. It's not a brag, but he overcome, or overcame rather, the identity gap. We have been called to be imitators of Christ, and to do this, we need to know whom God has called us to be. I want to read you one of my favorite portions of Scripture, and it's more than a gotcha moment. Gotcha. You know, when Jesus spoke, often he went, gotcha, because he caused people to think. And I believe that there's more to this portion of Scripture than just a gotcha moment. Because Jesus is speaking with the capacity to connect to us, so it draws us closer to God and be who God wants us to be. And it's found in Mark chapter 12, verse 14 to 17. So if you could open your Bibles there. Well, we'll go to verse 13. That might be better. So Jesus is speaking, and then all of a sudden, the bad guys turn up. Then they sent to him some of the Pharisees and the Herodians to catch him, who is Jesus, in his words. And when they had come, they said to him, Teacher, we know that you are true and you care about no one. Well, that's not true for starters. But look what, he's, look what they say now. For you do not regard the person of men, but teach the way of God in truth. So they're buttering Jesus up. Oh, you're amazing, Jesus. Be careful if someone wants to butter you up because they're probably going to toast you. Just be careful about that. 
Oh, you're amazing, Jesus. You're incredible. And then they ask him this question, and you'll know this portion of Scripture. He says, is it lawful? So this is the the Pharisees and the Herodians. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Shall we pay or shall we not pay? What shall we do? Shall we do it or shan't we do it? Should we pay taxes to Caesar? Hmm. But he, knowing their hypocrisy, said to him, why do you test me? Why do, you, why do you test me? And, and Jesus says, bring me a denarius that I may see it. That alone should be an insight for us to the type of person that Jesus is. Jesus didn't even have a denarius on him. He didn't have any coin. Bring me a denarius. So they brought it to him and he said to them, whose image and inscription is this? And they said, Caesar's. And then Jesus says this, and this is the original gotcha moment. And he says, and Jesus answered and said to them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are gone. And they marveled at him. That I would love to have been just sitting around there listening to that, to watch their faces and their blood drain out of their faces when they think they've got Jesus. Because this is a trick question, folks. It's a trick question because of this. Firstly, if Jesus says, don't pay taxes to Caesar, then the Pharisees and the Herodians would have gone to the Roman government and says, this man says that you shouldn't pay taxes. He's against the Roman government. And we are to what? Obey the laws of the land. So Jesus is setting a precedent truth here for us to understand. So he couldn't say don't pay. And if he said yes, pay, then guess what? Historically, back in AD 6, in in the area from Jesus was from in Galilee, there was a bunch of people called the Zealots, the Galilean Zealots. And they rebelled against this tax because it was a poll tax that every male had to pay. And there was such a rebellion, it it continued through time, right up to Jesus' time and beyond. And Jesus, being from that region, was well aware that we're probably zealots in the area listening to him speak. And if he would say, yes, pay taxes, then all the zealots would have said, he's not for us. He's not one of us. And all the Pharisees would have turned to the other group of religious people and say, oh, look at that. He's more interested in the government than he is us and us serving God because we're religious people. So it's a trick question from those two points. Do we pay? Do we not pay? Mm, What do you think? But Jesus being absolutely brilliant, having revelation, having understanding, he says, give to Caesar what is Caesar, give to God what is God's. There's more to a gotcha point here, folks, because you see, money was incredibly important in that time in the world. Oh, hang on. Money is incredibly important in this time in our world. There's a system that's attached to it. Jesus says, show me the Roman coin. And he says this, whose image is on it? I want to show you the coin that Jesus referred to, if we could throw that up. And there's a two-part thing about this coin. So Jesus asks, the first one is, whose image on it? Have we got the image there? Look at that guy. Isn't he handsome? From about a mile away, he's, 
He's got a nose like I've never seen. Yeah. And a chin that sticks out. It's unbelievable. It looks like a football player, potentially. A chin sticking out like that. This is the image that was on the coin. And now let me give you some facts about the image. The image is really important because an image is a visual description of someone or something. And coins in that time, they were, they were more than just a way to trade. It was a sign of who was in charge. Who was the boss of that country? And when a, an, another country or a nation came and overtook another country, the first thing that they would do is make new money. The first thing. And they would get the image of the person who was the ruler of the winning nation and they would imprint that on there so everyone would know who was in charge. And in fact, they didn't even own the money, but they could trade the money. So at any time, the ruler could call back all his money. But to keep trade going, keep commerce going, keep the country moving, guess what would happen? They would say, you can use what I have, but please understand, you are now under my nation's rule of who I am. So that's why Jesus says, whose image on it? And here's the thing. His image is incredible. That's him. He's gone. His image is amazing. Caesar. But here's the second thing that Jesus says. He says, whose image and whose what? Inscription. Whose inscription? And in this case, an inscription is a description of the person. So it wasn't just, oh, okay, he's a good bloke. This was the inscription on the coin. And the, the inscription was this. Caesar Augustus Tiberius, son of divine Augustus. That was the inscription. I'll read that again. Caesar Augustus Tiberius, son of the divine Augustus. So yeah, there were many Caesars, but who is this Caesar that we're talking about? And who is this Augustus? And what does it mean, the divine Augustus? The divine Augustus means this, that when Augustus dies, he then becomes a god. Augustus divine, divine Augustus. So when this man, Caesar Augustus Tiberius, son of the divine Augustus, on his coin, he is saying, I am the son of a god. Wow. You must pay homage to me. Here's an incredible thing. Man wants to make himself a god to rule forever. Yet God makes himself a man for us to rule with him. Just the opposite way around. Just back to front. Because, folks, it's a different kingdom. Think about that. How many people do you think have wanted to rule the world and to be a God? Many. And they make themselves, or they try to make themselves a God. 
And God made himself a man in the form of a man. He humbled himself. Back to front because it's a different kingdom. It's a different rule. And when Jesus brought this, you know, answer to them, whose image, whose inscription, everyone in their brain, they're going, oh, whose image is on that? Oh, that's Caesar, Caesar, Tiberius Caesar, Augustus the divine. Oh, the son, he's the son. He's saying that he's the son of a God. That's the inscription. That's who he is. And then Jesus says that incredible, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God. The here is in that part. Folks, it was like light bulb moments going off like that. And here's the question that I have for you this morning. If we are to render to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, what do we have to give to God that is God's? What is God's? Or what do you have that you can only give to God? The only thing that you can give is yourself. The only thing. In fact, you can lose this. Jesus said it another way like this. What if it would profit a man if he would what? Gain the whole world, but lose what? His soul. The only thing that you truly possess in this life is your soul, folks. And you can sell it off as you try to pursue those things that temporal instead of eternal. And as they're sitting there and they're thinking, my goodness, wow, I know my brain would be popping. I've got a gift to God. What is God's? What is God's? Can I ask you this question? Whose image do we bear? Whose image do we bear? Genesis chapter 1 verse 27 says this. We are created in the image of God. Not complete, not perfect, but we carry his image. We bear the image of God. And what does God look like, someone would ask. Well, looks better than us, let's face that. But this is what Colossians 1 verse 15 says. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Do you want to know what God looks like? Then you just look at Jesus. And do you know what you should look like? You should look like Jesus because you were created in God's image and we are to bear his likeness wherever we go. Receiving Christ is just the beginning, folks. It's the start of the journey. Being transformed into his image, into the image of Christ, is an ongoing journey of revelation and to work out who we are in Christ. We are to be the image of Jesus. And, can I say this? We can only be his image if we know our inscription. Do you know what they call the inscription on a coin? I mean, I didn't know this. It's called the legend. The legend. An inscription on a coin is called the legend. Guess what? You are a legend. Because you have an inscription 
that comes from Christ of who you are. You're all legends because you have inscriptions written for you, about you, what you're supposed to be, who you're supposed to come in contact and represent. And here's the thing, I cannot be who I'm called to be unless I know who he sees me to be. Who do you think God sees you to be? Remember, he sees you. He sees you. What a brilliant message by Pastor Peter last week. He sees you. I mean, that's just, I think that is just an amazing revelation that was brought. And if he sees me and he sees that I am the image of Christ, what is the inscription? What type of legend do I have to be? Or I am and I've just got to release it out of my life. Now, I had written down 20 things about who you are in Christ. But I thought, oh, I just better pick 10. Otherwise, we'll be here to midnight. And that might be just a little bit too long. The inscription about you, legend, is this. And the first one, this is how he sees you. There is no, no question about this at all. This is the truth. You can take this to the bank. First one is, you are a new creation in Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. You are a new creation in Christ. New. Who feels old this morning? Oh, well, I will be praying for you. Who got up this morning and went, oh, oh, my knees, my back, my shoulder, my arm, my eyes. Uh. <laughs> oh, you wake up. Who's ever woken up and gone, oh, man. You are a new creation in Christ. You're new. A friend of mine just bought a brand new car. And I said to them, can I sit in your car? They said, sure. Why do you think I sat in the car? The new smell of a car. Heavenly. Do you know you carry the fragrance of Christ? That you're new? You smell better than a new car. Woo! Isn't that good? You want to go to a, a new car dealer and say, can I just sit in the car for a little bit? Smell that leather. Oh, it's heaven. It's like sugar on a stick. Woo! You're a new creation. The old's gone. The old arrogant, fat-headed, bigoted, uneducated. Me is gone. It's gone. I'm a new creation in Christ. I'm, new. I'm brand spanking new. This woman has a new husband. Woo! <laughs> You're new. We should wake up every day and go... I am a new creation in Christ. I am. You can take that to the bank. Here's the second thing. You are a child of God. But as many who have received them, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in their name. You are a child of God. God's child. God is looking after you. He holds you in the palm of his hand. You are the apple of his eye. He is there 
your heavenly Father. If someone was to come in and try and do something to my children, what do you think I would do? I would lay down my life for them without even thinking about it. Wouldn't you do the same? And that's exactly what the Father did for you as a child of God. He laid down his life of his son for you. You are a child of God. He's for us. He's with us. Thirdly, we are a friend of God. Look at that. This, listen to this, John 15, verse uh, 15. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all things that I've heard from my Father I have made known to you. I call you friends. Sometimes preachers will get up and they'll preach about Abraham. And they'll say he's the, the guy of faith, you know, the father of faith. And he was the friend of God. And they almost imply that we cannot be God's friend. But only Abraham is God's friend. And we sit there and we go, oh, Abraham was God's friend. Guess what? You are God's friend. In Christ, God's friend. I mean, I could ask anyone here this morning, David, are you my friend? Thank you. David, have, have you got $50 you can give me? Yes, because yes, he's my friend. Is there another? Pastor Ken, friend, friend. You know why? Because a friend will help you in the time of need. You're a friend of God, and he will help you in your time of need. Sometimes we walk through life. <laughs> Once I was with a couple of pastors, and they're going through a really tough time in the ministry. Sometimes it's tough in the ministry. And, you know, some people had left the church, and it was really hard, and they're feeling really inadequate, and, oh, and they were down on themselves, and they were just... Just crying about life and, you know, God doesn't love me and nothing happens. You wouldn't believe it, but that's, that's how they carry on, you know. And then they say this, you know, it was just me and Jesus. Just me and Jesus. And I stopped them and I said, so it's just you and Jesus. Who's ever said that? It's just me and Jesus getting through this, you know. Just you and Jesus? You're talking about the Creator? of the universe, you're talking about the one who walked on water, you're talking about the one who, who fed 5,000 and 4,000 and cleansed the leopard, made the walk, the, you know, the lame walk and the deaf hear and the blind see and gives you eternal salvation, who said he would never leave you nor forsake you, be with you to the ends of the earth, so it's just you and Jesus. Well, hallelujah. If it's just you and Jesus, that's all you need because he is your friend. Why are we so down sometimes? We've got to look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Number four, we're justified and redeemed. We are justified and redeemed. Being justified freely by his grace through redemption that is in Christ Jesus. We're justified in the, in the sight of God. We don't have to fear God. You know, sometimes I have the opportunity to sit with people when they're going from this life to the next. And sometimes 
It's a glorious thing and sometimes it's a really, really sad thing because they don't know God. Number five, you are an heir, an absolute heir. Romans 8 verse 17. And if children, if we're children of God, then heirs, heirs of God and join heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. We're heirs. Do you know, some people worry that they don't have a future and they don't have an heir or they don't have an inheritance. You have. You, you have inheritance in Christ. Number six, we're sanctified. We're sanctified saints to the church of God, which is at Christ in Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ. Jesus called to be saints. You're called to be saints. Nothing short of being a saint. I can't wait to see your halos after the service. Saint, that's a holy person. Number seven, you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. You carry the Holy Spirit with you. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? He is in you. Whom you have from God and you are not your own. Do you know that you are not your own? You're the temple of God. Number eight, you're chosen. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. See that? He had it all worked out. No need to worry. That we should be holy and, and without blame before him in love. You are chosen. When I was in high school one year, you know, they, they get the classes together and then they pick two captains because we're going to play a game and then they start to do what? The pick. All right? And as they're doing the pick, the numbers are going down and, I mean, I was a reasonable person playing soccer or cricket or rugby or whatever and they're going down and uh, I had one mate on this side and another mate on that side but what I, I didn't know until afterwards, they got together and said, let's pick Jim last. So I'm, I'm there and they're picking and they're going down and, and there's a guy there, who, you know, he, he, he would walk from here to the end of the, the building and he would fall over, he couldn't catch a ball, he couldn't stand up and they picked him before me. They are not my friends today. But if you feel like you've never been chosen, let me tell you now, you are chosen. First pick. First pick. He picks you first. Number nine, adopted. Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. You're adopted. Wow. Sometimes people live with a... You know, the burden of not knowing who their parents are. But someone comes and adopts them and brings them into the family. You know, they're more chosen than, than us all. Adopted into the family of God. And number 10, you are no longer a slave but free. Galatians 5.1 Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty to which Christ has made us free. And do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Don't get entangled again. Don't do it. And if you do, confess your sins. 
He's faithful to forgive you of your sin. You're no longer a slave, you're free. Can you imagine Jesus speaking this, this concept of freedom in him, to be free in God? I know Paul wrote it, but Jesus obviously spoke about a lot of things that we don't have a record of, but being free from the power of sin. And there are slaves whose lives are totally gone for the rest of their life, but inside here they are free. And this is the place where you need to be free first. Not externally, internally, and free from the power of sin. And then you can bridge the gap of overcoming of who you really are in Christ. You are a child of God. You are free. You're not a slave. You've been adopted. You have an inheritance. You're an heir. You're a child of God. I want you to stand with me this morning. You are a new creation. You're a new creation in Christ. But you've got to move towards that. You've got to walk towards that. You have to take the word of Christ and let it dwell in you richly. So that when the enemy comes and tries to put something on you, and says, you're not really a child of God. You can stand on the word of God. Do you know that heaven and earth will pass away, but his word will never pass away. It will never, ever go. And you've got to stand on This is a, a sure foundation of our faith, the word of God. And you've got to take that and speak that word. Because that's what, that's what we have to do. We have to move from the point of salvation into the image of Christ with the inscription, the description of who God sees us in Christ Jesus. Because he has made us legends. You're a legend. An absolute legend. Why don't you close your eyes this morning? And we're looking under Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And maybe something resonated with you there this morning. He sees you. He sees you more than a coin, but the whole point of the coin was to point out you belong you belong to him and you are to bear his image you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus he's called you beloved he's called you child he's called you holy he's called you justified he calls you a saint he calls you free and heir he calls you the temple of the Holy Spirit the incredible Holy Spirit who was there at the very beginning of creation, moving over the waters, bringing creation in itself to life. You know, you had the temple of the, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit and you have the Holy Spirit who lives in you. That's something to be excited about. That you have Him who's the creator of all things. And if there is one thing there that you went, well, I don't feel that. I don't think that. Then you have to change your feeling and you have to change your thinking and you have to align it to the Word of God that you be changed into the image of Christ Jesus. And as you do that, bit by bit, God's going to bring freedom and life and you'll be able to be the inscription, the legend He's called you to be. 
I'm just going to pray. And if that's you, why don't you put your hand on your heart this morning? If there's one thing there, one thing there and you go, Lord, I'm struggling with this. I'm just struggling with this. Just put your hand on your heart. Just say the sign of God that you're calling out to Him. Maybe you don't feel like you're a child of God. You don't feel like you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. You don't, you don't feel like you're an heir. But you are. You are. You are. You are. Lord God, this morning, as we stand together, here and online, we are going to believe, Lord God, and experience the inscription that you have written for us according to your word that we would bear the image of Christ and rather what we think or feel that we would live that out now because your word is truth and the truth sets us free when we walk in that truth and Lord as we align our confession to what you've said about us, we will live in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. If you have never surrendered your life honestly and openly to Christ, then I challenge you this morning to do it. To surrender your life to Christ. To not hold back, but to live the life that He's called you to live, a life of peace and joy. And if that's you, I want you to come and talk to me later. Not now, but later. And say, I want to receive Christ as Lord. And if you haven't done that and you're online, you send us a text or an email and we will get back to you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your blessing, for your goodness, for your mercy and your grace. And we thank you, God, that we are the image and we have the inscription of who we are in Jesus Christ. Amen. Why don't we give the Lord a hand this morning. Thank Him for His Word. Amen. Because you are legends, literally legends, because you have the inscription of God on your heart. Amen. Thanks for listening today. I hope you subscribe to the podcast so you can be inspired weekly. God bless and have a great day.